excited. I had an hour extra of sleep, although I stayed up an hour later, so I'm not sure how that works out. However, I'm excited, and then I woke up at the same time I normally do. So hopefully you did not experience that, and y'all are excited to be here as well. And we get to be in worship today and, and get to celebrate what Jesus has done and what Jesus continues to do in our lives. And I, I am excited because we are starting a new sermon series today called Plus Side. But before we get there, if this is your first time here, if you're a new visitor, I'm excited that you are here too. I just sound really excited, which I pretty much am. So that's, that's, that's good. Uh, I would love to meet you. I'll be outside the, the back doors after worship is over, and I would love to be able to say hi to you and welcome you and tell you a little bit more about what we're doing here at Cassidy and how we are striving to follow Jesus um, in, in, a, in as unique a way as possible because we want to be more like Jesus and we want the community to know that we are like Jesus, not judgmental, but instead embracing. We want to meet people where they are and help them take their next steps on their spiritual journey, just like us. And so we're not, not that the people need to be just like us, but we need to also always be taking our next steps on our spiritual journey. And so uh, with that, uh, if you're joining us online, I'm excited that you're here. If jo you're joining us via podcast, thank you for being here. Uh, let's jump in. We're, we're talking about plus side, and the idea is to move our faith, to move our prayer life, to move our time of worship, to move our sacrifice, to move our lives to the plus side. And, and you can already have a pretty good life, but what would it look like if, if you moved all of those things to the plus side? If that was the high point, uh, I got to go to church and I have a great prayer life, or I get to go to church and I have... So it's, it's all about moving things to the plus side. And, and we're going to start by talking about prayer. And prayer is one of those things that I, I love to talk about. We've been doing some things on Thursdays, getting together to be in prayer as a community. The reason I like to talk about it is because, uh, because I love Jesus. And I think Jesus uh, wants us to be in conversation with God. And, and, and so that's going to be kind of the thing that, that we're going to use as uh, to underpin our, our time together this morning. So first, um, it, when I first became Christian, one of the things that, that I, I had never really experienced, I mean, I had heard some of the stories as a little child of, of Jesus, but when I first became Christian and kind of dove into the scriptures, it was, it was phenomenal for me to read the stories of what Jesus did. The, the, if you haven't had an opportunity to read the Gospels, I'm, I'm going to encourage you, pick up a Bible and start at the very beginning. There's, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, are called the Synoptic Gospels. You got that one for free. And then John is a little bit, uh, a little bit different than the other three. The Synoptic Gospels kind of run similarly. And then John is a little bit different, but I would encourage you to read through there because you hear stories about a guy who's not okay with the status quo, who goes after people that are, on, that are marginalized or on, on the edges, on the fringes of society, and tells them that God loves them with, with an abundant grace and an abundant love that, that calls them into that relationship. And, and, and then you hear the stories, and this is where it really gets good, of of the miracles of Christ, how Jesus goes into the world and, and reaches out his hand and takes hold of a leper, and, and, and he is healed from that, or tells somebody that can't walk, hey, stand up and get going, and, and it, all of these things just blow my mind when we really think about what God is doing in Jesus Christ. It, it's just 
phenomenal. And, and I think far too frequently, we can just get comfortable with these stories. Instead of being like, holy crud, Jesus spit on the mud and, made, and spit on the dirt, made mud and put it on some dude's eyes, and then he was able to see. That's some powerful stuff. And, and far too frequently, we, we become immune to the awe that we can have with these stories that Jesus has for us and the stories of Jesus' life. And so we want to, I want, I want us to focus on that and, and to hold on to that because one of the things that made Jesus so good at the ministry, first of all, being the Son of God didn't hurt, but made him good with ministry was that he was able to spend time in prayer. He took time intentionally before most of the big events in the, in the New Testament that Jesus was, was there for he took time to be in prayer. And so this is a picture of a place in Israel called Aramos Cave. It's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and is a traditional location for where Jesus, when it says Jesus retreated to a lonely place or to a quiet place to pray, this is where church tradition said, now there's no sign that says Jesus was here right in there or it would be chiseled i guess because spray paint wasn't a thing then but there's nothing like that but this is what church tradition says and church tradition sometimes can can be pretty accurate and i got the opportunity to go there and to to read the story of jesus retreating to a lonely place when he sent the disciples on ahead on the sea of galilee and then he walked across the water again one of those miracles that we're like yeah jesus walked on the water holy crud jesus walked on the water we need to, we need to kind of remember some of the awe and some of the power in this in this guy that we say we follow and and if if jesus needed to spend time in prayer then how much more time should we be spending in prayer and i think far too frequently that become prayer becomes something that we do as a, an addendum or, or something well, if I get to it, I'll pray rather than, rather than, oh my gosh, God wants to spend time with me today. How can I spend time in the presence of God? And so I want to, I want to encourage us with that because Jesus was hundred percent God and hundred percent man. This is, we're talking Trinitarian theology right now that he's part of the Godhead. And if Jesus needs to spend time in prayer, we need to spend time in prayer also. And, it, and it's so important for us. And, and maybe you've experienced this, but uh, sometimes we, we decide, you know, before bed, I'll pray before, before I go to sleep. And then laying in bed in that comfortable bed with a comfortable pillow, you say something like, Lord, and then you go to sleep. That's, that's my history anyway. This is how I started. I was like, I'm going to pray because Martin Luther said you should you should always fall asleep praying the Lord's Prayer because when you fall asleep praying the Lord's Prayer, then you pray the entire evening. Now, I don't know about that because normally I sleep. However, uh, I, I would normally get to our Father who, uh, and then it's not night time. And, and so I found myself, and maybe you found yourself, that, that eh, prayer right before bed might not be the most effective way to pray because you don't actually get any praying done. Or maybe you pray on the way to work. You know, you're like, oh, I'll pray while I'm driving my car. I need to pray a lot while I'm driving because all of the people around me don't know how to drive. Um, and I'm not really praying for that. But, but maybe you're praying for them. While you're driving, you're praying, uh, and then a good song comes on the radio, or you hear something and you stop. I'll pray after this song because this is a good song, right? I don't know. I don't know how God's like. Yeah, okay. You know, that's how I imagine it. He's like, oh, so close. 
Or, or maybe, maybe in the morning, you, you, you wake up and you're like, I'm going to pray in the morning. I'm going to spend some time in the presence of God. And then you're like, well, first, I've got to have coffee because even God doesn't want to be around me before I have coffee. And so you make coffee and then the kids wake up and, and then you've got to deal with the dog. And, and before you know it, you've run out of time. And you're sitting there going, man, I, I, I was going to spend time with you. And God's like, it's, it's cool. I'll catch up with you later. And, and if that's your prayer life, so all of those examples aren't from your lives. I didn't ask y'all. That, that's from my life. And, and I'm sure that we share some similarities in that. And, and, and hopefully, uh, during the process of, of today, we can, we can kind of figure out the importance that God puts on prayer, and, and we can walk into that and, and say, you know what, I want to be a part of that, because if God wants to spend time with me, I want to spend time with God. And I don't know about you, but I, I have found that it's almost impossible to get to know somebody if I never talk to them. Maybe, maybe y'all have had that same experience. And so if we don't spend time talking to God, how are we going to get to know what God has planned for us, what God wants for us, how God wants to use us to build his kingdom. And the thing is that God has in mind so much more for us than just going through life hoping we're getting it right. He desires for us to be praying, and if he wants us to pray, then my, my suggestion is we should be in prayer. So what would it look like if you moved your prayer life to the plus side? And I know if you're like me, uh, when, I, when I sit out there and I hear somebody say that, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I don't even know what it means, but I'm excited about it. So we're going to kind of talk about what some of that means. And the first thing that I want us to look at is that what God sees the use of prayer for. So God wants us to be in prayer, but it's not just individually, it's communally. God wants us to be in prayer together as the church. And this doesn't go back just to the Christian church. This goes back to the Old Testament when God first initiated a community that was coming together to prayer, and, and, and God called it a house of prayer. As a matter of fact, his prophet Isaiah says this in the 56th chapter of Isaiah, verses 6 through 8. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You know, what's interesting is Jesus called them on this shortly after he got here and started his earthly ministry. He goes to the temple and he sees that they weren't using it for what it was intended for. And he says this, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now they were doing money changing and things like that, but I, I was pretty convicted by that statement when I was reading through this and preparing for this, because how much of our time do we rob from God when we don't spend time in prayer? And I don't want God to stand, uh, to stand, I don't want myself to stand before God one day and have him say, I really wish you would have spent more time in prayer. I really wish that you would have asked me more how you should live your life than taking it on your own. And so I want to encourage us with that thought, knowing that God wants us to be in prayer. I want to, I want to 
tell two different stories from the Bible. One, I'm going to just paraphrase, uh, and I know that's dangerous, but uh, hopefully I'll get it right. But it comes from Acts chapter 12, verse 5 through 16. If you have an opportunity, go and read that tonight. And that should be printed in your bulletin. But here's, here's the deal. Uh, Peter is in prison. He's been locked up, and he's going to go before Herod the next day. And the disciples have gotten together in, in, a, in a house church, and they're praying for Peter. They're praying for his release. They're praying that he would be saved from the harm that Herod has in mind for him. And so Peter is sitting there chained up in between two guards. They are making sure this guy goes nowhere, right? And so here he is chained up in between two guards. And while he's there, an angel shows up to Peter, and an angel touches the chains and they fall off of Peter and he is led out of the prison. Now here's the deal. Peter doesn't realize that this is really happening. He thinks he's having a vision. I, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, man, I wish I, wish I had a, a visions enough that I don't know which one's reality and which one's just a vision. But Peter, Peter having this, what he believes, a vision, follows the angel out of this prison and everybody's asleep and nobody's watching and he walks out of the prison and it says the angel left him. And so Peter's like, oh, I guess this is real. <laughs> and he's standing right out front of the prison. He's like, maybe I should not be here any longer. And so he trucks it over to... Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's scriptural. You can look it up. I, I did actually not quote that. Uh, anyway, so he trucks it over to John Mark's mom's house. And this is, tradition says that this is the upper room, was John Mark's mother's house. And so he goes to John Mark's mom's house, and he goes up, and there's wood over here. So knocks on the door. My dog would go crazy right about now. And the, the, the servant goes to the door, because it's the middle of the night. The servant goes to the door, and the church is inside praying for Peter's release, and, and she asks who it is, I'm sure, uh, using some formal greeting. And he says, it's Peter, let me in. And she gets so excited. She's like, he's here. He, she doesn't open the door. And she runs to the community that's gathered. And she tells them, Peter's outside the door. And they say, no, he's not. Stop it. They rebuke her because they can't believe that what they are praying for is taking place. And then finally, he keeps knocking, she keeps saying it, and they, they, they go to a much worse place. They're like, oh, maybe he's been killed, and it's his angel, his ghost, that's at the door. Now, that would freak me out even more than Peter really being there, but that's where they went. Then they get up, and they go because he won't stop knocking, and she won't stop saying it. They open the door, and Peter is there, but their faith at, at, in their prayer time wasn't strong enough to carry them to the reality of what was happening. And so I want to juxtapose that story of a community of faith that was gathered together to believe, to, to pray for something, and then surprised when it actually happened to the early church. Right after Jesus was resurrected, there was a guy named Peter, again, this guy got arrested a lot, uh, and a guy named John, and they were both picked up by the Jewish leaders because they were proclaiming the resurrection of the dead in Jesus Christ. And they wanted them to knock that off. Hey, you guys can't talk anymore about that Jesus guy. We killed him already. Please, please stop. And so they bring him in and they, they tell them both to knock it off. And, and their response was, how can we do anything other than what God wants us to do? 
Well, they release them anyway, and they get back together. And this comes from the fourth chapter of Acts. And we're going to read from verse 23 to 32. If you don't have a Bible, we want to make that available to you so you can uh, check what we're doing here and make sure that we're on the level. But also because it's good to be able to read uh, and be, uh, hear the stories of Jesus. And so they're outside on the tables. We make those available to you free of charge. You don't have to sign up for anything. Just grab one of them. And here is what it says in the book of Acts verse 23 through 32. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together and prayed to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through, your, through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in, in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. There was no surprise when Peter and John showed up to that church community because they were strong in their faith of God. And they knew for a fact that God was doing something new and powerful. And, and quite frankly, I don't think they were very worried about it. They were so impressed with Jesus coming back from the dead that they really didn't care too much about what the people thought. And that, that, that to me inspires me because when, when I think about Jesus coming back from the dead, now, now we can say, yeah, Jesus was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected. That just should boggle our mind each and every time we hear that phrase. And, and it shouldn't become something that's wrote, something that we, we hear and we just let go past this. But when they saw Jesus come back from the dead, they knew anything was possible. Anything was possible. And so they get together and they pray. And what I want us to look at this morning is some of the pieces of the prayer that they prayed so that we can apply them to our lives, so that we can move our prayer life to the plus side. And the first is they gathered together to pray. They raise their voices together in prayer to God. This is verse 24. And, and when we think about that, a lot of times we in, in America, we take our spirituality so individually that it's painful. We, we decide we're going to pray together uh, or we're, we're going to pray together on Sundays when we're together. And that's, that's about the extent of our praying together. Instead, we, we take Jesus at his word. Now, it's important for us to pray and be present with Jesus on our own as well. But when we come together, there's something powerful that happens. When we pray together as a church, there's something powerful and profoundly different in the presence that God has for the church 
than, than when, we're, when we're individually praying for the different things. So I want to encourage us to do both. But that's the first piece that they did. They, they, they prayed together. And then they prayed not just together, but they prayed that they would be able to speak the word with boldness. So here's the deal. They were just told not to by the people that could kill them and, throw, and, and did kill Jesus. They could throw them in jail and, so, and, and had just had two of them in jail. And so they, they prayed that God would allow them to speak the word in boldness. And here's, here's you know, this is, this is where God is, is being glorified in this. I, again, because Jesus had been resurrected, they're not so afraid of death. And so they're not so afraid to, to preach and proclaim what they've already witnessed in, in Jesus' resurrection. And so they, they ask for more strength because sometimes the fear of getting injured is more powerful than the fear of continuing what you're doing, right? And so that's exactly where they were. Is they, they wanted God's strength to keep continuing to pray in boldness. And then they prayed for something. And, and when I read this, when I was preparing for this, I was like, man, I never pray for that. And, and maybe you're like me because they prayed, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I, I think far too frequently, if you're like me, we have God in a, in a box and, and miracles and wonders and signs might not be something that we're so eager to pray for. Because what if we pray for it and it doesn't happen? That's my, my concern. What if, I, what if I claim boldly to pray in the name of Jesus Christ and it doesn't happen? Well, what if we started as a church by praying that God would stretch his hand out because it's God that does the healing, it's not me, and that God's hand being stretched out would, would fill the place with miracles and signs and wonders, and God would do powerful and miraculous things right here because I promise you, we serve a God that came back from the dead and he is not done yet. And we can follow that same God and not put him in a box and just embrace the fact that we serve the God who created the heavens and the earth, the seas and everything in them. And he wants us to keep doing the things that he has called us to. We serve a God that is beyond death, a God that is beyond life and the creation of such. And he is inviting us to be a part of his kingdom. This should be exciting news for us. And if we take this seriously, if we really focus on this, it should change something about the way we go through life. We shouldn't just be bebopping along thinking, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pray that maybe God could maybe help with this. But I'm not going to pray that God is going to... And, and here's the deal. God wants us to pray about everything. And I, I think our problem is we rely too frequently on the stuff here and not so frequently on God. Now, here, here's a, a great example. When I was in Africa, and I've shared this story, uh, but it's, it's worth sharing. When I was in Africa, I, 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 I suffer from migraines every once in a while. Uh, and when I was in Africa, oddly enough, uh, on a mission trip, I had a migraine. And, and my head is raging. And I tell the bus driver, hey, my, my head is hurting. Do you, do you have any, uh, any medicine? And he's like, uh, no, but when we get to the next village, remind me. And so we get to the next village, and I tell him, yeah, my head's still hurting. He was like, okay, come with me. And I'm thinking we're going to the dispensary or whatever where we're going to get some medicine. No, he gets a group of people together, and they pray for me. Now, they also gave me medicine, 
But they got together and prayed first because that is the important part. They relied on God more than they relied on the medicine. Now, my headache went away because of God and the medicine when they work in tandem. That's so good. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the presence of God and their reliance on God. They didn't want to start with the thing that they didn't have faith in, which is the medicine. They wanted to start with the thing that they did have faith in, which is God. And I, I want us to be in that place. And here's, here's what happened. This is where, where I, I, I start to get goosebumps because when, when they prayed these things, it says they didn't have to wait for God to answer. They weren't like, well, I hope God answers and responds. No, the place was shaken by the presence of the Holy Spirit. They received their answer immediately because the Holy Spirit came down and they went. They were ready to respond. They were not surprised by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Instead, they were eager for it. And that, that, if you're like me, that's one of those places where I am timid as well. God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us. God, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Last night, my prayer was different because I knew what we were talking about and I, I've been praying about it. My, my prayer was this, God, open my heart, open my mind, allow your Holy Spirit to invade every cell of my body. Make me more like Jesus because my prayer life hasn't been what you want it to be and you have convicted me through this series or through, through just this sermon. God forbid what's going to happen the rest of this series. So my hope is that maybe you felt the same way. Maybe during this conversation, you're thinking, maybe I could, I could do something different with my prayer life. Maybe my prayer life needs to change a little bit because we want to be united in purpose with God and we want to be able to unleash the power of God because I think the truth is that prayer on the plus side unites God's people and unleashes God's Holy Spirit. It unleashes it because we're ready to allow it to happen. And, and, and if we're trying to do something all by ourselves, that we're, we're just trying to do it on our own, then, then I hope it doesn't succeed. I really do. But if we're trying to do it and God has blessed it with the presence that he has and, and his Holy Spirit is all over it, then nothing else can happen but success. Because God is bigger than all of the failures across the world. Amen? So here's what, here's what I want us to do. I, I, want us, I want us to together be the church because we can't be the church individually. We need to all be together. Now, now Suzanne talked about it. We have vision night coming up, and, and I really want us to be in prayer for that because Suzanne and I don't go up on a mountain and have flaming things tell us exactly what we should do. The staff doesn't have a, a, a Holy Spirit moment where it comes back and says, you know what, this is exactly what God can do because we are the church. The staff is not the church. I am not the church by myself. We are the church. And so we want, we want to talk about, at Vision Night, we're going to talk about where, where we've been, what we've done, and, and the changes that have happened so frequently. Um, and, and then we want to seek the presence of God so that we know the direction that God is calling us as a community. How do we live into the promise that God has for us? And, and what does that look like for the future? So I, I want us to be in prayer this week. And I want that to start with God, because I want God to make us bold prayers, that, that we would pray boldly, 
that we would recognize that God has for uh, something special in mind for us. And then that we would pray that, that God unify us on your vision for us, what, that we could together have the same vision. Because if we have the same vision and mission, that means that we will march together a lot easier than if everybody's scattered and we have different missions and different visions and what, what is the church to you? But let's find out what the church is to God and let's go after that. We want, I want God to, to make us responsible for praying for our community, for praying for each other, and for praying, please, for your pastors and your staff, because I need it. We need it because we, we are, um, we're people. I don't know if y'all know that or not. Just like y'all, we're prone to make mistakes. We're prone to go off course. We're prone to do things that are in opposition to God. And I, I, I don't want that. I want to be held accountable. And that's the beauty of the thing that happens when the church comes together is we can hold one another accountable. And so pray that with us, because this is praying on the plus side. And I want us to imagine what it would look like if we really took prayer seriously. Would our community be different? Would our homes be different? Would the, the relationships that we have be different because of the prayers that we prayed for others? Would our ability to forgive be greater? Would our closeness to God be more intentional and more noticeable. If we ask, not just for God to do something, but boldly ask with the authority of Jesus Christ for God to stretch out his hand and to perform signs and wonders so that we aren't taking credit for it ourselves, but we can point to the one who is, and that is Jesus Christ who came back from the dead, kicked down the doors of hell, just for us. So let us be the people that God has called. Let us be ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and God do something amazing so that we can bear witness to the power and the might of the God who raised Jesus from the dead and gives life to each and every one of us. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, you are so so beyond all of the things that I can say. And I give you thanks because you have called me out of darkness and you have given me new life in Jesus Christ. And you've called each of us from that same place and you offer the same thing to us. Help us to take prayer seriously because you, the God creator of all things, 